The Word of God, the Holy Bible, is a treasure and a gift beyond compare. Every passage of it points to a marvelous truth that God's love for man impelled him to step out of eternity and unite with his creation in order to redeem him from sin. Jesus Christ is both the author and subject of this precious word. Join us at the Superior Word each week as we search out this wonderful gift in search of Christ Jesus. Psalm 60. To the chief musician, set to Lily of the Testimony, a miktam of David, for teaching. When he fought against Mesopotamia and Syria of Zobah, and Joab returned and killed 12,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. O God, you have cast us off. You have broken us down. You have been displeased. O restore us again. You have made the earth tremble. You have broken it. Heal its breaches, for it is shaking. You have shown your people hard things. You have made us drink the wine of confusion. You have given a banner to those who fear you, that it may be displayed because of the truth. Selah, that your beloved may be delivered. Save with your right hand and hear me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and measure out the valley of Sukkot. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the helmet for my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom, I will cast my shoe. Philistia, shout in triumph because of me. Who will bring me to the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, who cast us off? And you, O God, who did not go out with our armies? Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Through God we will do valiantly, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. All right, we're in Joshua 15. As I said uh, earlier in the, uh, or last week, uh, it's a very large number of verses, but it will go quickly. This is Joshua 15, 13 through 63. It's entitled, A Share Among the Children of Judah. Verse 13, now to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a share among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, namely Kiriath Arba, which is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. Then he went up from there to the inhabitants of Debir. Formerly, the name of Debir was Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, He who attacks Kiriath Sefer and takes it, to him I will give Asa my daughter, as wife. So Othniel, the son of Canaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave him Asa his daughter, as wife. Now it was so when she came to him that she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. So she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? She answered, Give me a blessing. Since you have given me land in the south, give me also springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Judah according to their families. The cities at the limits of the tribe of the children of Judah toward the border of Adam in the south were Kabzael, Eder, Jagur, Kina, Dimona, Adada, Kadesh, Hatsur, Itnan, Ziph, Telem, Be'alot, Hatsor, Hadata, Keriot, Hezron, which is Hatsor, Amam, Shema, Molada, Hazar Gada, Heshmon, Betpelet, Hazar Shual, Be'er Shiva, Bizjotja, Ba'ala, Ijim, Ezem, Eltolad, Chesil, Horma, Ziklag, Madmana, Sasana, Lebaot, Shilim, Ain, and Ramon. All the cities are 29 with their villages. In the lowland, Eshtaol, Zora, Ashna, Zanoa, Enganim, Tapua, Enam, Jarmuth, Adulam, Soko, Azeka, Sharaim, Aditaim, Gedera, and Gedorotaim, 14 cities with their villages, Zanan, Hadashah, Migdalgad, Dilian, Mizpah, Jokteel, Lachish, Bozkat, Eglon, Kabon, Lamas, Kitlish, Gedorot, Betagon, Naama, and Makeda, 16 cities with their villages, Livna, Ether, Ashan, Jifta, Ashna, Neziv, Keila, Achziv, and Maresha, 9 cities with their villages, Ekron with its towns and villages, from Ekron to the sea, all that laid near Ashdod with their villages, 
Ashdod with its towns and villages, Gaza with its towns and villages, as far as the Brook of Egypt and the Great Sea with its coastline. And in the mountain country, Shamir, Jatir, Soko, Dana, Kiryas Sana, which is Debir, Anav, Eshtemo, Anim, Goshen, Holon, and Gilo, 11 cities with their villages, Arab, Duma, Eshean, Janum, Betapua, Afecha, Humta, Kiryath Arba, which is Hebron, and Zior, nine cities with their villages, Maon, Carmel, Zif, Juta, Jezreel, Jokdeam, Zanoa, Cain, Gibeah, and Timna, ten cities with their villages, Hauhu, Betzur, Gedor, Ma'arat, Betanot, and El Tekon, six cities with their villages, Kiryat Baal, which is Kiryat Jerem, and Rabbah, two cities with their villages. In the wilderness, Bet Arabah, Medin, Sekaka, Nibsham, the city of salt, and En Gedi, six cities with their villages. Whew. As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah, could not drive them out, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. The account today has verses that will be very closely repeated in Judges 1. When this happens in the Bible, it is telling us that really important information is being conveyed. This doesn't negate the other information in the Bible, but it highlights the material worthy of repetition. There are some differences between the accounts here and in Judges 1, and there is lengthy debate concerning which account is the original or which is in the right chronological location, and so on. It is the kind of thing you might read and just continue on saying, I wonder why it mentions this twice, but you never dig any further. I admit, this has been me for the past many years. I never took my own advice and paid extra heed to what is being presented. Notice what Charles Ellicott remarks. He says, which is its original place? In Judges, it is connected with the continuation of the conquest of Canaan by the tribe of Judah after Joshua's death. And there we read, they slew, literally smote, Sheshai and Achiman and Talmai. If this is the death, and not merely the defeat of the Anakim, the Hebrew word is not absolutely decisive, we have two stages in the conquest of Hebron described. It would seem then that the entire conquest of the Anakim was not effected at once, but begun by Caleb and Joshua in Joshua's lifetime, and completed by the tribe of Judah under the leadership of Caleb after Joshua's death. He tries to reconcile the two as both being different accounts. However, he later appears to give up on that notion, and he says, upon the whole, it seems most reasonable to conclude that the proceedings by which Caleb secured his inheritance and fulfilled the promise of Joshua 14:12 have been recorded here for the sake of completeness, though not necessarily belonging to this time. Our text verse comes from Genesis 9. It's verse 27. May God enlarge Japheth, and may he dwell in the tents of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. What Ellicott appears to be saying is that though he isn't sure about the two accounts being separate, he tends towards the notion that they are one account, and for insertion of them here is not that it is separate, but for the sake of completeness. Looking at the surrounding text here in Joshua, that seems evident, and it will be explained as we go. Context matters, and the context of this passage is that of inheritance. If we think on that, then what is said about Caleb is obviously also dealing with an inheritance. It has something to do with Noah's blessing upon Japheth and Shem, I will not give detailed explanation of that when we get there in the passage today. So you'll have to go back and watch the early Genesis sermons or the recorded Bible studies to get an answer to that. But the two are connected. Everything is interconnected in this word. We just need to figure out how. And in all honesty, we can read and study for the rest of our lives and still not see it all. We have 51 verses to go through today, and you will see that I do not even attempt to explain all but a few of them. We may never leave Joshua if I did. <laughs> Instead, I am giving you what is most relevant to understanding the overall picture of what is going on. Other details will be drawn out as we continue through the word and refer back to make a necessary connection someday. That's already happened in the 10 sermons that I have typed since this sermon. I've already made connections back to the places that are named here. For now, 
let us turn to that precious word once again, and may God speak to us through his word today, and may his glorious name ever be praised. I have three separate thoughts for you here. The first is a blessing for Achsa. It's verses 13 through 19. Verse 13, now to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a share among the children of Judah. As a reminder, Caleb means dog. Yefune means he will be beheld, and Judah means praise. Because the division of the land is what is being described, it naturally follows that this section would be recorded here in Joshua, regardless of when the events actually took place. In Joshua 13.1, it said that Joshua is old. His time is drawing near. The land which remained to be conquered is detailed 13 verses 1 through 7. Then the division of the land east of the Jordan is repeated, indicating the matter is accomplished. 13, 8 through 14. That included the subdivisions of land by tribe, which is 13, 15 through 33. Next, the division of the land west of the Jordan is introduced. That was chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. But before it actually occurs, the inheritance of Caleb is settled. That's verses 14, 6 through 15. With that carved out, the borders of Judah are given, 15, 1 through 12. Then comes the naming of the cities within those borders, 15, 20 through 63. But Caleb will, at some point in the future, carve out a particular division of this inheritance, as is indicated in these intervening verses. Though this is future, the details are logically placed here, before the naming of the cities of Judah, to ensure that the matter is settled and recorded. One might ask, why would this account be placed here now if the actual events occur when it is recorded in the book of Judges? Rather, the exact opposite question would arise if it wasn't. Why wasn't this record placed in the land division of Judah to clarify the exception? This is because it is the land division that is being dealt with. If we have an amendment to a land grant today, it would naturally be affixed to the original land-grant documents, regardless as to when it occurred. As such, these words now are that affixed amendment. Caleb was given his inheritance. Verse 14, 12, Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. Those anticipated events occur later in Judges 1, but they are logically placed in Joshua 15. As such, the words here in Joshua 15:13 are further detailing Caleb's inheritance as spoken forth in Joshua 14. To show that Caleb's land grant, including this division, is included in Judah's inheritance and not cut out of it as a separate and independent parcel, we read from Joshua 14. And Joshua blessed him, and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kiriath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Only after that were the borders of Judah described, verses 15, 1 through 12. Within those borders, a further division of Caleb's inheritance is stated, demonstrating that it is a part of Judah, not a piece of land cut out of Judah. Joshua gave Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a share among the children of Judah. Verse 13 continues, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua. This is in accord with Joshua 14, verse 6. You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. His request, based on that, was to be granted, verse 13 continues, namely, Kiriath Arba, which is Hebron. Arba was the father of Anak. As a reminder, Kiriath Arba means city of four, and Hebron means alliance. We are reminded now that Arba, or four, is the father of the Anak. Rather than referring to a single person, Anak, it speaks of the clan, et Kiryat Arva Avi Ha'anak Hi Hebron. Kiryat Arba, father, the Anak, it, Hebron. As for the grant itself, this is in accord with Joshua 14.12, where Caleb said, Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. From there, the words of Joshua 14, 13 through 15, which are cited above, confirm the grant. 
at the time of that request, Caleb said, this is Joshua 14, 12, for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. That hopeful anticipation is now detailed. Even though the events occur in Judges 1, the record states, verse 14, Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Sheshai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. Rather than drove out, it reads, Ve'yoresh misham chalev et shlovoshah beneha Anak, and disinherited from there Caleb, three sons, the Anak. The meaning is that he killed them, he disinherited them, and he had assumed their land, inheriting it. Sheshai means whitish. Achiman means my brother is a gift. Talmai means plowman. Anak means long neck or necklace. As they are called the Anak, they are a clan of people known for their unusually long or possibly thick necks or the adornments worn on their necks, like the Egyptians wear adornments. These three were already named in Numbers 13, many years before. Hence, the pulpit commentary may be correct when they say, this also must not be pressed literally. Possibly, these men were three chiefs of the Anakim. In other words, saying the three sons of the Anak could be a way of speaking of those who descended from them, each being a clan. Or, they may be sons bearing the same names as their fathers. As the order of the names is different now, it may explain that. Verse 15, then he went up from there to the inhabitants of Debir. Formerly, the name of Debir was Kiriath Sefer. After dispossessing the Anakim, Caleb turned his sights on Debir, or place of the word, a place noted as having been called Kiriath Sefer. The word Sefer is singular. It means book. However, to get the right idea, you would call it book city, and thus city of books a name obviously connected to the place of the word. It was the place where the scrolls of writings were maintained, like a library today. It was evidently important because of this, and Caleb defers to the former name when planning its attack. This is total supposition, but perhaps they wanted to capture the scrolls in order to get a better understanding of the layout of the land, the structure of the cities, and so on, by obtaining any such documents that were maintained there. So important was this mission that a great honor is offered. Verse 16, and Caleb said, he who attacks Kiriath Sefer and takes it, to him I will give Achsa, my daughter, as wife. Vayomer, Kalev Asher et Kiriath Sefer, Ulchada Venatati Lo et Achsa Biti Le Isha. And said Caleb, who strikes Book City and takes her? And I will give to him Asa, my daughter, to wife. Asa comes from ekes, meaning a fetter. That's found in Proverbs 7, 22. Or an anklet, as found in Isaiah 3, verse 18. That comes from akas, to shake bangles, as is seen in Isaiah 3. Here's what it says there. Moreover, the Lord says, because the daughters of Zion are haughty and walk with outstretched necks and wanton eyes, walking and mincing as they go, here it is, that word, making a jingling with their feet. Therefore the Lord will strike with a scab the crown of the head of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will uncover their secret parts. The offering of a daughter in this manner is not unusual. Throughout Kings and Chronicles, intermarriages are noted, where one king gives a daughter to another, such as in 1 Kings 3 verse 1. It is also something Saul promised to the victor over Goliath. Here's what it says in 1 Samuel 17. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. As for the prize named Achsa, she goes to, verse 17, So Othniel, the son of Canaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave him Achsa, his daughter, as wife. The wording here seems to place Caleb's father as Canaz, not Jephuneh. That is not right. The Hebrew can mean either Othniel or Canaz is Caleb's brother. Othniel is Caleb's brother. Both are sons of Jephuneh. The words Ben Kanaz or son of Kanaz mean descendant of Kanaz, and thus he is, like Caleb, a Kenazite, as is noted in Numbers 32, verse 12. 
His name means either force of God or lion of God. The NAS uses a different root which would signify burning of God. Because he is the one to prevail over the city, Asa goes to him, her uncle, as wife. The meaning behind Kanaz, or hunter, was explained in chapter 14. It signifies a person who seeks after wisdom. The purpose of the words is to show that both Caleb and Othniel are reckoned as descendants of this Gentile, Kanaz, and Asa is thus accounted under both in this regard, and yet she is being given a set inheritance within Judah, as will be described. Verse 18, now it was so when she came to him, that she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. And it was in her coming, and she poked him to ask from her father field. The word sut comes from shayit, a thorn. Hence, it figuratively signifies to poke or to entice. The meaning is that in her coming to Othniel, his wife, she used that as an opportunity to get him to either ask Caleb directly or to have him allow her to ask personally for a field. In Judges 1, the term hasadeh, or the field, is used. Thus, it is a particular field she has in mind. With that, verse 18 continues. Does anybody know what this is picturing yet? Great, great stuff. Verse 18 continues. So she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, what do you wish? And jumped down from upon the donkey and said to her, Caleb, what to you? The difficulty here is ended in a wide variety of translations. The word sanak is found in only two accounts, this one and that of Jael in Judges 4. Here's what it says there. Then Jael Haber's wife took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the peg into his temple and it went down, that word, into the ground, for he was fast asleep and weary. So he died, you think? What seems, <laughs> what seems the best explanation of this comes from Adam Clark, where he says, she hastily, suddenly alighted as if she had forgotten something or was about to return to her father's house. In other words, she's kind of being cunning here. One can imagine the scene. She is being conducted to the house of her new husband. She leans over and says, we really need that field with water. Let me ask for it. With that, she jumps down as if she refuses to go further unless she gets what she wants. Caleb is caught completely off guard and asks, what's the matter with you? And then, verse 19, she answered, give me a blessing. And answered, give to me blessing. The words mean, give to me a gift. She wants something tangible from him. With that, she explains what? Verse 19 continues. Since you have given me land in the south, give me also springs of water. For land the south given me, and give to me springs water. The word negev means south, but it comes from a word meaning parched. Therefore, the land is almost pointless to possess unless water is available. The word translated as springs, gula, is new. It comes from galal, meaning to roll. Thus, the water comes up as round and bubbling. Stanley described it all the way back in the 1860s, saying, Underneath the hill on which De Beer stood is a deep valley, rich with verdure, from a copious rivulet, which rising at the crest of the glen falls with a continuity unusual in the Judean hills, down to its lowest depth. On the possession of these upper and lower bubblings, so contiguous to her lover's prize, Achsa had set her heart. Verse 19 continues, so he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Vayiten la et gulot iliot ve et gulot trachtiot, and gave to her springs upper and springs lower. The word translated as upper, ili, is found only in this account. It comes from Allah, to ascend. Thus, they are upper springs. The word signifying lower, tahti, comes from tahat, meaning under. Thus, it is the lower or lowest springs. The account of Caleb, Othniel, and Achsa, with the lands that they possess, is specifically stated here 
just before the naming of the cities of Judah to show what was rightfully theirs is to be reckoned within the overall inheritance of Judah. Rolling waters bubbling forth to us, providing life in a parched land. They tell us of the glories of Jesus, who alone sits at God's right hand. The water of the word is what washes us. With it, we are cleansed and sanctified. It is these waters that tell us of Jesus, of his perfect life, and that for us he died. We possess it because it was granted to us, and so we carry to others this precious word. These rolling, bubbling waters reveal Jesus. It is through them that the salvation message is heard. Our second thought today, cities within Judah's land grant is verses 20 through 63. I'm looking back at Burke right now, and he's curiously thinking about that poem because I think he's got what's going on here. Verse 20, this was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Judah according to their families. Zot nachalat mate bene Yehuda le mishpotam. This inheritance tribe sons Judah to their families. Some translations make this a closing summary of verses 1 through 19 based on the borders provided minus the land given to Caleb. That then flows into the naming of the cities. As such, verses 13 through 19 are essentially a parenthetical insert for clarity. Others take it as an opening statement concerning the cities that belong to Judah, such as the New King James Version where it has a colon after this clause. As Hebron and Debir are listed as cities within Judah, in the coming verses, without any noted exceptions for Caleb, it seems likely that the first option is correct. As for the land, Cambridge notes, the territory of Judah in average length was about 45 miles and in average breadth about 50, was from a very early period divided into four main regions, the south, the lowland, the mountain, the wilderness. From here, through verse 63, these four main areas will be noted with some descriptions of their terminating lines. There will be 112 cities in the counting, plus Ekron, Ashdod, Gaza, and Jerusalem, thus totaling 116 cities. However, the naming of the cities will not match the numbers given. Of these lists, I will provide only a few comments along the way. There may be a million typological patterns or hidden meanings, but those, if they exist, will be left for someone else to figure out. The main point of listing the cities is to specifically define what belongs to Judah. It is a necessary historical record. Having said that, I would like to challenge anybody that wants to look for typology in these to break it down into the same divisions that are broken down here. In other words, it says nine cities and its villages, 15 cities and its villages. Use those as your marker for determining typology and then be consistent with what you use. Don't make stuff up as you go. Someday somebody will do it. I didn't do it for you because we have lots and lots of borders to be defined in the coming chapters. Believe me. Therefore, we will review the verses without giving the meaning of the names. Verse 21, the cities at the limits of the tribe of the children of Judah toward the border of Edom in the south were more literally, it reads, and were the city's extremity two tribe sons Judah until border Edom in the southward. The meaning is that this list includes everything to the border of Edom, and that is in the southern area of the inheritance. Cambridge notes, the south was the undulating pasture country which intervened between the hills, the proper possession of the tribe, and the desert country which marks the lower part of Palestine. Their cities are, verse 21 through 32, Kabzael, Eder, Jagur, Kina, Dimona, Adada, Kadesh, Hatsur, Itnan, Ziftelem, Be'elot, Hatsur, Hadata, Kerioth, Hezron, which is Hatsur, Amam, Shema, Molada, Hazar, Gada, Heshmon, Bepelet, Hazar, Shual, Beersheba, Bizjotja, Baala, Ijim, Ezem, Eltolad, Chesil, Horma, Ziklag, Madmana, Sansana, Lebaot, Shilim, Ain, and Ramon. All the cities are 29 with their villages. A few things of note. One is that Simeon will receive its inheritance within the borders of Judah. This will fulfill prophecy, but it also explains why some of the cities will be listed here and again later in Simeon's land grant. Also, one city, Ziklag, is listed for both 
but it was never subdued by Israel. It belonged to the Philistines. However, it was granted to David as a gift by Achish, king of Gath, in 1 Samuel 27, verse 6. Also, though it says 29 cities, depending on how they are listed, such as Hatzor and then Hadata, or a combined city, Hatzor Hadata, there are always more than 29. Various reasons have been suggested, such as one, clerical error, no way, not in the Bible. Two, cities that are were given but which were not possessed at that time three joint cities that belonged to judah and to simeon four some cities were known by more than one name five some named locations were smaller hamlets or villages or six other cities were later added while the original figure was maintained some of the reasons given are ridiculous others may sufficiently explain the disparity verse 33 in the lowland of this cambridge says the lowland, or to give its proper name, the Shephelah, was a broad strip of land lying between the central mountains and the Mediterranean Sea. From the edge of the sandy tract, which fringes the immediate shore, it stretched up to the bases of the hills of Judah, the garden and granary of the tribe, and formed the lower part of the maritime plain, which extended along the whole seaboard of Palestine from the river of Egypt to Sidon. The cities of this area are, verse 33 continues, Eshtaol, Zorah, Ashna, Zanoa, Enganim, Tapua, Enam, Jarmuth, Adulam, Soko, Azekah, Sharaim, Aditaim, Gedera, and Gederotaim, 14 cities with their villages. There are 15 names, even though the list says 14. However, in the listing, there is an article before Enam, Veha Enam, or and the Enam. Enam means two springs. As such, Tapua and Anam may be describing the same location, Tapua and the two springs. If so, then the number 14 is solved. If not, there is some other logical reason as stated before. Verses 37 through 41, Zenan, Hadasha, Migdalgad, Dilian, Mizpah, Joktiel, Lachish, Bozkat, Eglon, Kabon, Lamas, Kitlish, Gederot, Betogon, Naama, and Makedah. 16 cities with their villages. In verse 40, the name is either Lamas or Lamam. The letters for S and M are very similar in the Hebrew, and some manuscripts have one or another. Either way, the original exists, and so there is no error in Scripture based on this. Also, one of our dogs at our house right now, a white chihuahua with ruby eyes, is named Naama, or Pleasant. She is mostly... But at times, <laughs> verses 42 through 44, Livna, Ether, Ashan, Jifta, Ashna, Neziv, Keilah, Achziv, and Marisha, nine cities with their villages. The cities are named and their number matches. Let's go on. Verse 45 through 47, Ekron with its towns and villages, from Ekron to the sea, all that lay near Ashdod with their villages, Ashdod with its towns and villages, Gaza with its towns and villages, as far as the brook of Egypt, and the great sea with its coastline. The word translated as towns is bat, daughter. Hence, it is a daughter to the main city. Also, the cities being mentioned are in the feminine, and it is more consistent to do as King Jimmy did, saying something like, and her daughters and her villages. In doing this, other passages in Scripture are more fully appreciated when they are given a feminine aspect. Verse 48, and in the mountain country, Ubahar, and in the mountain. Cambridge says, the mountain, or the hill country, though not the richest, was at once the largest and most important of the four. Beginning a few miles below Hebron, where it attains its highest level, it stretches eastward to the Dead Sea and westward to the Shephelah, and forms an elevated district, or plateau, which, though thrown into considerable undulations, yet preserves a general level in both directions. Verses 48 through 51, Shamir, Jatir, Soko, Dana, Kiryasana, which is Debir, Anav, Eshtemo, Anim, Goshen, Holon and Gilo, 11 cities with their villages. The cities are named and their numbers match. Verse 52 through 54, Arav, Duma, Eshean, Janum, Betapua, Afecha, Humta, Kiryath Arba, which is Hebron, and Zior, nine cities with their villages. 
The Masoretic text has an R instead of a D here, saying Ruma instead of Duma. Again, the letters are very similar in the Hebrew. Other than that, the cities are named and the number matches. Verses 55 through 57. Ma'on, Carmel, Zif, Juta, Jezreel, Jokdeam, Zanoah, Cain, Gibeah, and Timnah, ten cities with their villages. Again, the numbers match what is named. Verse 58 and 59. Hauhu, Betzur, Gedor, Ma'arat, Betanot, and El Tekon, six cities with their villages. The cities are named and numbered without controversy. Verse 60. Kiriath Baal, which is Kiriath Jerim, and Rabbah, two cities with their villages. Again, all is good with the description. Verse 61, in the wilderness. Bamidbar, in the wilderness. Cambridge says, which here and only here is synonymous with the Arava, represents the sunken district adjoining the Dead Sea. Verse 61 continues, Bet Arava, Middin, Sekaka, Nibshan, the city of Salt, and Engedi, six cities with their villages. Six cities numbered accordingly, and finally, verse 63 finishes with, As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. It is singular, as for the Jebusite. It is referring to the people group as a whole. A similar statement is made in Judges 1. But the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who inhabited Jerusalem. So the Jebusites dwell with the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. Jerusalem was a border city, partly belonging to both Judah and Benjamin. It is, however, an interesting foreshadowing of the importance of the city to be so markedly noted at the end of these verses. It is also a sure note that this was not a later addition after the time of the kings when this could not have been a true statement. It was accomplished at the time of David. Also, Bethlehem is noticeably missing from these, but eventually it will become a city of the greatest importance. The inheritance is within part of the commonwealth, and so any can receive what it contains, but you cannot obtain it by trickery or stealth. Rather, those can never remove your chains. To have the freedom found in the waters that bubble, you must pay heed to that word. It is the remover of every care and trouble when you accept the message you have heard. And it is not one spring or seven or three. No, the streams are numbered at only two. It is in them together that you can be free. Just these two springs will work. Nothing else will do. Our third thought today is explaining the Achsa typology. Translating the names of verse 13 sets the tone. Now to Dog, the son of he will be beheld, he gave a share among the sons of praise. We have seen that Caleb anticipates Gentiles. The words signify that believing Gentiles who come to Jesus are given an inheritance among the commonwealth of Israel, the sons of praise. This is according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, think of Jesus. Verse 13 continued with the naming of the city. That inheritance was already explained in chapter 14, and the meaning of the typology can be reviewed there. However, verse 14 adds in the note, Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Sheshai, Achiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak. Those names are given to explain the position of those who are a part of this joining together. Think of Hebron, the city Hebron, meaning alliance. Sheshai, or whitish, looks to the purification of the believer because of Christ. Ahiman, my brother is a gift, is the relationship of the believer to Christ. Christ is the gift. Talmai, or plowman, looks to the one who puts his hand to the plow and doesn't look back. In other words, a believer in Christ. Verse 15 then noted going up to Debir, formerly Kiriath Sefer, Jesus is the oracle, the place of the word, Debir, but he is to be found in the scrolls as seen in the city of the books that speak of him. Caleb is going there to dispossess the inhabitants and gain possession of it. Verse 16 notes that whoever attacks the city of the books and takes it will get Achsa, Caleb's daughter as wife. Her name means anklet, an adornment of the foot. The foot in the Bible signifies possession. She is the reward for the one who obtains the city of the books. And the victor in verse 17 is Othniel, 
the son of Canaz, brother of Caleb. Othniel, or force of God, is also the son of Canaz, or hunter. That was explained in chapter 14 by Abarim as a name based on a profession, similar to many of our own names. Hence, it is someone who seeks a form of wisdom, like any such profession would. In his case, it would be as a hunter of men, in the sense that he is seeking the wisdom not only for himself, but for others as well. Thus, Othniel is typifying those who expend themselves in the pursuit of the knowledge of God and in conveying it to others. It is to him that Asa, anklet, is given. As an adornment of the foot, she would indicate open and showy possession. But in receiving her after his victory over the city of the books, he also inherits more. At her prodding, not only will there be a possession of parched land, but there is also a request for and granting of bubbling waters. The whole picture can be seen. Caleb, signifying the Gentiles being brought into the commonwealth of Israel, that's chapter 9 of Joshua, is also guaranteed the inheritance. That's Joshua 14. But there is more. Caleb possesses the inheritance. The city of books is subdued. It is the Bible that tells of Jesus that eventually comes under the responsibility and the care of the Gentiles. This is something anticipated back in Genesis chapter 9. Achsa is the prize, the showy possession for the victory. But it is not just a lifeless inheritance that is obtained. Rather, the waters given to Achsa and thus to Othniel are reflective of the living oracles of God, the two testaments signified by the upper and lower springs the New Testament, and the Old Testament. It is these that bubble up and provide life in the otherwise parched land of existence. They become the possession of the Gentiles. And yet, that is still within the commonwealth of the borders of Judah, and so it cannot be said that these are denied to the Jews. The commonwealth of Israel has never ceased to exist. It is the Gentiles who have been grafted into it. The word has never been unavailable to the Jews. But these oracles have become the passion and the possession of the Gentiles. The mantle of the spiritual blessing has gone to them while Israel as a nation has fallen away. Again, this is prefigured in the blessing upon Japheth by Noah in Genesis chapter 9. This is what is being conveyed. Gentiles are not in any way subservient within Israel. And in many ways, they have taken the lead role for an extended amount of time. While the Jews have frittered away the last 2,000 years, the Gentiles have been hunting for souls and bringing them to Jesus Christ, teaching the word, searching out the riches of the word, and above all, glorying in the Lord Jesus who is revealed in the word. Think of Handel's Messiah. Gentiles all over the world, when it is played, love it. They flock to it, the whole Christian world. This is kind of what's being pictured here, the Gentiles just glorying in the riches of Jesus Christ. And what happens when they play that special song in Handel's Messiah? Everyone in the congregation rises and they stand honoring the Lord Jesus. This is what's being pictured here. The account of Caleb Othniel and Achsa, within the lands they possess, was specifically placed just before the naming of the cities of Judah to show what was rightfully theirs is to be reckoned within the overall inheritance of the sons of praise, the commonwealth of Israel. God is telling a story to us through this word, and he is providing insights into the future, revealing the ongoing narrative in typology, allowing us to see and understand these things confirming that we are on the right path as we continue. For example, Asa was not given three springs, was she? But Mormonism would necessitate that the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for them, but God has already shown in advance that this is not what is going on in the redemptive narrative. He has methodically been covering every base for us to see what is and what is not acceptable. Nothing is left out, nothing is overlooked, and everything finds its place later that is hinted at in advance. Do we have a sure word? We sure do. What a marvelous treasure this book is. It keeps showing us things that are coming. 
things that will happen in redemptive history. Israel falls away, somebody steps in and replaces them, takes care of this precious, wonderful document, examines it, writes commentaries on it. I can go back over the past 2,000 years and I can find commentaries to the very day that these books were sealed by God. All the way through, commentaries in England in the 17 and 1800s, people continuing to search it out, adding to the vast knowledge of this word year after year after year. And now we have computer programs that can search out this word in seconds and do things that I couldn't do in months or ever. This is what has been going on, and this is what is prefigured in these wonderful verses today. And someday this word is going to go back to the ownership of Israel. It'll be there in the millennial kingdom, but right now it's the Gentiles that are carrying this banner. Oh, I'll tell you what, rather than giving a gospel call today, I was just about to do that, rather than do that, what I will ask anybody that is watching this sermon right now that now, I'm not talking about people here right now, but watch it later on YouTube. Instead of me giving a gospel call, you can watch our opening comments for this day, 19 February 2023, on YouTube. I did a gospel presentation with somebody here, and if you ever want to give the gospel, you can watch that and kind of feel through how you can approach the matter, and you can also see what the effect of the gospel is in somebody's life. So instead of me giving a gospel presentation, other than telling you, please come to Jesus, I won't do that. Watch that video instead. It's probably 10 or 15 minutes long. Our closing verse comes from Acts 28. It is verse 28, and it tells us exactly what our typology was telling us today. Therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. Next week, Joshua 16, 1 through 10. One lot wasn't enough, so it would seem it's entitled The Inheritance of Joseph Ephraim. That'll be our 33rd Joshua sermon. The Lord has you exactly where he wants you. He has a good plan and a purpose for you. It is he who has defeated the enemy and who now offers his people rest. And so follow him and trust him, and he will do marvelous things for you and through you. Okay? Okay, I've got a question I'd like you to raise your hand because I'm sure the two people will get this. And the only thing I have for you today is I've got some designer soap. Even if you don't use it, it's really cool looking. You can put it in a jar in your bathroom. Okay. Elijah prayed for rain seven times. What was it that let him know his prayers were finally answered? A little cloud in the sky. Okay, you got your hand up and you said it. Now, that wasn't really fair, but I'm giving it to you. This goes to your house. Okay, she yelled it out while raising her hand, but it went up about as fast as, there were like three hands that went up. I knew that was going to happen. But because of her boldness, like somebody else had done that recently, small cloud. it was a small, it was the size of a hand. That's right, it's just a little cloud. And he said, that, well, that's, that's what she did. She, she actually did not raise her hand. She raised her fist like she was, you know, Martin Luther King or something. I don't know. Okay. All right, we got a poem for you. Get ready. This is called A Share Among the Children of Judah. Now to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He gave a share among the children of Judah, but this was no setback. According to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, namely Kiriath Arba, which is Hebron, Arba was the father of Anak. Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there, Shishai, Ahiman, and Talmai, the children of Anak, them he didn't spare. Then he went up from there to the inhabitants of Deber. Formerly, the name of Deber was Kiriath Sefer. And Caleb said, He who attacks Kiriath Sefer and takes it, thus risking his life, to him I will give Achsa, my daughter, his wife. So Othniel, the son of Kanaz, the brother of Caleb, took it while keeping his life, and he gave him Achsa, his daughter, as wife. Now, it was so when she came to him that she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. Who could resist that cute little dish? So she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you wish? She answered, Give me a blessing, since you have given me land in the south, a land fit for kings. Give me also springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. This was the inheritance of the tribe of the children of Judah, according to their families, as we know, the cities at the limits of the tribe of the children of Judah, toward the border of Edom in the south, toward the south, it does go, were Kabziel, Adair, Jagur, Kina, Dimona, Adada, Kadesh, Hatsor, Itnan, Zif, Telem, Be'alot, we're not done yet, Hatsor, Hadata, Kerioth, Hetzron, which is Hatsor, Amam, Shema, Molada, Hazar, Gada, Heshmon, Beth, Palet. 
Hazar Shual, Beersheba, Biz Jota, Baala, Ijim Ezem, Eltolad, Chesil, Horma, Ziklag, Madmana, Sasana will be done in a bit. Labayot, Shelim, Ain, and Ramon. All the cities are 29 with their villages. That's all of it. In the lowland, Eshtael, Zora, Ashna, Zanoa, Enganim, Tapua, Enam, Jarmuth, Ajulam, Sokol, Azeka, Sharaim, Adiathim, Gedera, and Gederothaim, 14 cities with their villages, a lot it would seem. Zanan, Hadasha, Migdal Gad, Dilian, Mizpah, Jaktiel, Lachish, Bozka, Eglon, Kabon, Lamash, Kitlish, Gedorot, Betagon, Naama, and Makeda, 16 cities with their villages, more than one could wish. Libna, Ether, Ashan, Jifta, Ashna, Neziv, Keila, Achsiv, and Marisha, a lot of reading to do. Nine cities with their villages, Ekron with its towns and villages too. From Ekron to the sea, all that lay near Ashdod with their villages. Ashdod with its towns and villages, where the swimming is fine. Gaza with its towns and villages, as far as the brook of Egypt and the great sea with its coastline. And in the mountain country, Shamir, Jatir, Soko, Dana, Kiryasana, which is Debir, Anav, Eshtemoa, Anim, Goshen, Holon, and Gilo, 11 cities with their villages. Hold on, the list's end is near. Arab, Duma, Eshean, Janum, Bet-Tapua, Afecha. Humta, Kiriath Arba, which is Hebron, and Zior. Nine cities with their villages. Hold on, just a little bit more. Ma'on, Carmel, Zif, Juta, Jezreel, Jaktayam, Zanoah, Cain, Gibeah, and Timna too. Ten cities with their villages. Don't you fret, we're almost through. Hauhu, Besur, Gedor, Ma'aroth, Bet Anot, and El Tekon. Six cities with their villages also. Kiriath Baal, which is Kiriath Jerem, and Rabbah. Two cities with their villages, though you may not believe me, there's just a little bit more to go. In the wilderness, Beit Arabah, Medin, Sekaka, Nibshan, the city of Sultan, and Gedi, the last to be named. Six cities with their villages. If your head is swimming, I'm not to be blamed. As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah, could not drive them out, sad to say, but the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem to this day. Lord God. Turn our hearts to be obedient to your word. Give us wisdom to be ever faithful to you. May we carefully heed each thing we have heard. Yes, Lord God, may our hearts be faithful and true. And we shall be content and satisfied in you alone. We will follow you as we sing our songs of praise. Hallelujah to you, to us, your path you have shown. Hallelujah. We shall sing to you for all of our days. Hallelujah and amen. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful, precious word. I'm almost regretting that we went through it so quickly today, but uh, there are other typolo typological things that will be ahead of us in the very near future. And so I'm sure because of those that are so wonderful that there are also typological hints in each one of these sections in your word today. I pray that somebody will take the time and do a thorough study of them and find out the mysteries that are involved there. But until that day, we're just grateful for this precious word. We thank you for it. We're just so thankful that you have allowed also Gentiles to join in with the commonwealth of Israel and that we have been able to carry this word until the day when you restore them as your people once again. Thank you for these sure promises that we have and these sure things that we possess. We love you, we praise you, and we exalt you, and we do so in Jesus' name. Amen.